Marnie, her family, and her friends must work together to stop Calabar's evil plan and save both Halloween Town and the mortal world. We are talking about Halloween Town 2, mainly because when Josh gave us this assignment, or Fearless Dictator Leader, I, I'm not a Halloween um, movie watcher, are you? I, I'm not super, you know, I've got a couple of films I like, but, you know, Halloween kind of comes and goes with much, without much fanfare in my household. Right. I mean, and it's not even because, like, I married a pastor and we don't celebrate Halloween. It's just, you know, I love Harry Potter and it just <laughs> Halloween is not my holiday. Maybe because I set up my house really, like, intense for some trick-or-treaters and no one came but furries and that kind of scared me. <laughs> that could be why, why it's not my favorite holiday right now. But yeah. um, this was the only sequel of a Halloween movie that I could think of that I have watched because scary movies are not my cup of tea. So welcome everyone to our Halloween Town 2 drive-in series. Well, the Halloween series, but we're talking about Halloween Town 2. We are going to take our favorite movies, or in my case, the only movie you can talk about with the sequel, and discuss it, why we love it, why we may just tolerate it, and just a few ins and outs of this movie. I have learned a lot re-watching it and like trying to find those little hidden nuggets you said you just rewatched it today didn't you i did i binged the first two movies i'm like i could i could watch the first one i could mm -hmm. watch the second one without the first one but i kind of wanted the context right so. right well because especially this one is calabar's revenge so you have to have yeah. that why he's getting revenge uh fresh in your head well, if I haven't said so already, I am your host, Elizabeth Clyde, and joining me is host Adam Bear. Um, we already discussed how we were doing today. We are hanging in there. So we are just going to drive on in. It's the weekend. No students. No one needing Adam right now for maintenance. And we're going to continue talking about the story of Marnie Cromwell and her family who have magical powers and live in a supernatural town of Halloween Town. And I'm just saying, I used to want to live in this town when I was little. This is a Disney movie, which is right up my alley. Man, there was such an era of these like made-for-TV monthly movies that they would le release in that time period that I, I can remember looking forward to them. And I, I haven't knows why, you know what I mean? Probably because I was so obsessed with Boy Meets World at the time. Oh, um, such a good one. Uh, oh, very good one. And uh, so I just kept I kept tuning in for these monthly movies for years. And they were pretty terrible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they were pretty terrible in hindsight, but no, but still right. fun. Mm -hmm. Well, um, and I think we we talked about it right before, but this was filmed in two thousand and one. So I can't remember when this when the first movie first became established. Do you remember? I think it was ninety eight. Was the first one. Yeah, that's it. So, I mean, it's I feel like three years for the sequel, because some sequel it takes forever for us to get to. But Disney was knocking anything out at this time, just like vomiting, I felt like, movies with the Disney Channel originals. But um, Halloween Town 2, if you have seen number one, pretty much we meet the villain Calabar. I think that was his name. Yeah, that was the yeah, last I name. And, and he tries to destroy Halloween Town. Um, and now we are at number two. And his son is trying to take revenge. And of course, the son comes in as a very attractive teenager. So my little teenage heart, who loves love, I was, you know, swooning a little bit over Calabar's son, which we do not know he is bad yet. 
So tell us, Adam, what was your first experience with this movie um, when it came out? Because we're about the same age. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was excited for it. Like, I remember watching the first one several times in my youth, um, you know, because it was 98. So I was, I had to have been 10 or 11, that kind mm-hmm. of pretty middle school age. And then um, the second one came out was in 2001. That was middle school. I think I was in eighth grade. You know, I was I was a pretty sensitive, hopeless, romantic kid. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I ever daydreamed about being in this world more than any others. I just, you know, I was just on board for these Disney Channel original movies because of shows like Boy Meets World. Yeah, I lived on Disney Channel because this was really before we had all the YouTube sensations and all of the streaming that people can literally now Google what they want to watch or kind of have the movies and videos on demand. So whatever Disney put out, I was, I was soaking in at this time. And so I remember like geeking out over Halloween town, you know, and we make fun. We, I mean, I don't think we make fun of them. People make fun of kids nowadays for being obsessed with YouTube, but Nintendo, not Nintendo, Nickelodeon, and Disney channel. I mean, those were all YouTube channels. Yeah. You know, that's what we all, had. Yeah. I mean, most of the stars we're obsessed with now, a lot of them worked on these shows or, you know. Um, Selena Gomez, Jonas Brothers, Miley Cyrus. Yeah, yeah they were all Disney Channel people. And I mean, mm-hmm. it's all the same thing. It's all it's all the same, uh, same uh, junk food, if you will. Mm-hmm. Pretty much all the same poisoning our minds, but we are here for it. <laughs> so if you guys have not seen Halloween Town 2, this is, I will say, I feel like the plot it's very, I guess you could say very 2000s. It's not very deep. So pretty much the son comes in. He wants to get revenge. And Wood just, he has this amulet that makes him powerful to get his revenge. So really Marnie senses something's wrong and she discovers about the amulets and they just spend the whole movie trying to get it back. Would you agree that's that's the plot? Well, it was a book. It was the, they, she, he stole... He stole uh, Marnie's grandmother's book. The, oh yeah, the and- book of spells. Yes, they were trying to get the Book of Spells back. I'm thinking the amulets that made them powerful is what they were trying to get back to. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about the Book of Spells. Yeah, so it was all around the Book of Spells and trying to get the Book of Spell back because, um, you know, the, the great spell in the town and then, of course, the spell to turn people into Halloween costumes, which was a Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode. I guarantee mm-hmm. someone saw that episode and was like, you know, we can make a movie out of this. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, um so that was funny to me yeah i remember um because at this time there is a whole separate world if you do not know about the halloween town and it's called halloween town where the ghouls the goblins the zombies the skeletons any frights in the night uh that's where they live and their world is separate from what we know as the human world and so as we discover in any um any just regular like just world really uh in the halloween town one they were so shocked to see that zombies vampires they lived everyday normal lives that's not so different from what we would live they had to go to the grocery store they had to take transportation they had to have jobs they had social lives so they were very similar in nature even though they were i guess different races different species is how you're going and so what cal wanted to do he wanted to um turn what what you said the humans into ghouls because he felt Halloween was an insult to Halloween Town, and so he wanted to get revenge 
revenge, not just on the Cromwell family from defeating his father, but really all of the humans for making their town into a joke. And so did you have anything else to add that stuck out to you in the movie? Oh, when it comes to the plot? No, no, it was really, you know, it was really just all over the place. They go to the town and they have their conversation in this town center and then they go then they go to the one guy's house and they did a good job establishing an house, you know, to try to find the book because the book, the second book got lost because there was two copies of the same book. So they tried to hunt down the second comedy. Then there was a bit of time travel uh, in mm-hmm. the center over there. And then it was going through a, a closet that had that, that was full of uh, the time stream inside of a closet. And they were trying to fly through time quickly. It was, it was like, Let's cram as many ideas. How, let's put as many ideas as we can into one movie as possible. Yeah, I, I felt like we need to meet. I can't remember how long it is, but we just needed to meet the time. So let's just keep on stretching it out because we really just discussed the plot, the whole yeah. plot yeah. in less than 10 minutes. But I mean, as yeah. a kid, I thought it was great watching it, rewatching it as an adult. I was bored. I'm going to be honest. I was a little bored. Did you feel the same way? I mean, yeah, you can. I don't know if I would say I was necessarily bored. I wasn't entertained. It was, you know, I was analyzing it from a, a criticism standpoint more than anything. So mm-hmm. I was, you know, breaking down the the structure and the acting. And I thought a lot about like the time period of when it was released. You know, like we had mentioned, it came out the same year as Harry Potter. So there, you know, there was, it was a huge, you know, Halloween and magic was a huge part of the cultural landscape at that time. Um, because Lord of the Wings came out that same year, um, so it was really such it was really such a time for fantasy genre, and I mm-hmm. was thinking a lot about that and how that was interesting. Mm-hmm. No, that's good, and I feel even though when I think about Halloween movies now, I especially I feel almost any movie now they have to. It's n- nothing is PG anymore. You know what I mean? It has to be thirteen. They have mm-hmm. to throw in those swear words. They have to throw in those sex scenes. And I guess I go more conservative on that. Not that I'm saying, oh, shield your eyes. I'm just saying I don't need that to enjoy a movie. And I hate when they throw it in there just for ratings. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they all of yeah. a sudden they're f- like two people are fighting and now they're in a heated makeout section. And it leads to, you know, it's just so I feel like this captures the innocence of Halloween, which I really appreciate because as you can think of, this is why I don't really watch Halloween movies. It's a lot of it is scary and I don't like scary. I like horror animes, but not horror like Halloween like stuff for some reason, which doesn't make sense to me. You know, and I remember in the nineties there was such an out there was such an outpouring of like Halloween films or uh films uh that you know, you think like Hocus Pocus, you think uh the original Nightmare Before Christmas. So there there you know, and that's just to name a few, but I felt like there were all of these like Halloween Halloween children's films. And they made Halloween such a focus in the 90s as a children's holiday. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we quite, I don't think we quite live up to that nowadays that they used to. Now that a lot of these like, because we are such a narcissistic culture, the same kids in the 90s that enjoy these movies are now adults. And it's like, we want Halloween movies to grow up with us. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the same argument with like Star Wars. It's like, we grew up with Star Wars, so Star Wars should be an adult thing. And it's like, no, it was always a kid's program. It still is a kids program. It, it might have been elevated a little bit, but we we need to change our vision to fit the the to fit the the, the genre in which these films are being made. 
And it's the same with this Halloween Town movie. Yeah, it's not the same. You know, when you think of Lord of the Rings coming out that same year and Harry Potter, yeah, of course, it's not the same quality as Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. But for a, you know, a Friday night Disney Channel original movie, it's pretty cute. It's got, it's got some, it's got some good things going on. It's got, it had some good world building. You know, something I always talk about is uh, Chekhov's gun. Uh, the principle of you see something in act one, it should show up in act three. You know, they, they did all that, you know, throughout the film. They did really good foreshadowing of how they were going to get their situation out of there, how to get them out of the situation. You know, she accidentally stumbles upon the secret word to free her friend Luke. I mean, that was really clever. And then setting up the one guy where the uh, lost items go. Like, they did all that. There's a lot of structural things there that I think are good storytelling. It's just, you know, really, I don't want to say juvenile because that's not the way good, but we're not the target audience. We're, you know, we were the target audience back at the time Mm -hmm. it came out, but we're not the target audience for it anymore. Right, right. And that's a good point. I never really thought about how we expect shows to grow up with us. And so that's an interesting thing, because when you think about it, Pokemon has never grown up with us. And that was a huge part of my childhood. Ask Ketchum has the fountain of youth. Like he just retired. Mm-hmm. He just won. Mm-hmm. So that, that was an interesting point. I've never thought of it that way. So just kind of moving on, like we talked about the plot. And so I want to think a little deeper and so with this, the characters in Halloween Town we talked about are different from human, but the movie emphasizes the importance of accepting and embracing these differences. It teaches viewers that it's wrong to judge others based on their appearance or backgrounds. And so I feel like Disney has always been kind of ahead of the game, even maybe today a little too ahead of the game, um, or mm. just actually not even had just keeping up because I know a lot of my um, I call them caring Christians, um, the Christians who are like, this is bad. This is bad. What not do? And I'm like, you have to let your kids know the world they live in. Like you can't mm-hmm. protect them all. But I know um, like some, you know, some people are super anti Disney as a whole because they stop saying welcome boys and girls because they, there's, there's like so many different genders. Now they just say, welcome everyone. And then like people get so offended, but now, I mean, I feel like if Disney were to do a movie similar to this to celebrate differences, we would see more than just two different races. And so I I enjoy the show of showing that people are different. We may look different. We may act different, but we all have value and we all are just like you guys on the inside. You know what I mean? And they really did that in Halloween Town 3, the differences, but we're talking about two, even though I like three better, but we're staying with two. <laughs> yeah, and it, you know, to Disney's credit, they did, they, you know, prior to the most recent iteration of their uh, uh, morality structure, they did really kind of focus <laughs> on these universal ideas. And the issue that we're facing now in our culture is very much an issue of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's like, you know, there are really important conversations to be had. Um, you know, about things like race and gender and, you know, um, masculinity and femininity. But the difference is, the, the issue is, is they've, go, they've gone so far over, you know, the realm of even reason in some way. You know, mm-hmm. you can't have a logical and intelligent discussion about these, um, which is part of the issue. But my, my contention with Disney is it's like, um, and any major corporation is like, you're doing... You're going this direction because you think it's going to make you money. 
as soon as you realize it's not going to make you money, you're going to abandon any principle or thought of value because that's what you did. That's what they did. They had a certain philosophy in the 90s and before on that they abandoned because they thought it would make them more money now. And it's like, let's just be honest about it. Let's not pretend like, let's not pretend like, you know, we, you know, as a, as a, as a, as an independent, as a Christian, you know, Christian foremost, it's like, let's not, let's not project a sense of morality onto Disney that isn't there. They are pure mercenaries, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And um, they're going to do whatever, whatever they think makes them money. And so, um, I do, I do applaud people by just being like, well, okay, you don't want to show my values. That's fine. You don't have to show my values. I'm not going to give you money. You know, it's yeah. like, it's like, that's, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with voting with your wallet. I, I think, I think what comes wrong is how we articulate why we're not mm-hmm. uh, supporting Disney. I think that's where the issue is. So you know, does that make sense? Yeah. I'm going to Disney me personally in December. So yeah, I support I Mickey too. Mouse. <laughs> I would. You know, I, we would too if it wasn't so expensive. Right. Um, you know, and my, again, my thing is it's not, you know, if you don't want to support them, don't support them, but don't pretend like you don't pretend like there's some, we shouldn't, we shouldn't lift them up as a pillar, of, uh, as a pillar of morality any more than we should think that they're a pillar of evil. I mean, they're, they're literally just a business trying to make money. These are people trying to make money. And it's like, if you don't like it, don't support it. And I don't think right. there's anything wrong with that. Uh, I do think there's some morality questions involved with that, but at the same time, it's just kind of like if when you really look at it, it was always the case. There was always issues. You know what I mean? Like the way there there is a, a call to question on how Disney used to portray women uh, in some of these things, and you're just like, well, you only did it that way because it was culturally acceptable. You know the way that you know you look back at things like Songs of the South. It's like they're willing to do again it just goes back they're willing to do anything that makes the money and their morality changes based off of what makes the money and if you're you know if you go into it like that you're like okay you just kind of use discernment especially as christians we use discernment you're mm-hmm. like okay well you know what i mean yeah that's a great point i mean i feel disney teaches great lessons and so the acceptance of differences is a great thing and even if um there's a movie or whatnot, and you may not agree with what's happening in the movie. Um, number one, you don't have to watch it. And number two, even if you're worried about your kids watching it or stumbling upon it, what a great conversation to have with your kids um, about just to discuss it. But just also another um, another really good thinking deeper uh, point that Disney had in this movie is Cal's quest for revenge serves as a warning about the destruction of nature of seeking revenge. And the movie kind of just shows how revenge can lead to toxic um, situations. It can lead to harm. And so it really, I think, is a constructive approach to conflict as well. And so I would, I did not think about that as a kid whatsoever. I think I was nine when this movie came out, which is mm. crazy to think about because I felt so much older watching these movies um, yeah. than a, nine, a nine-year-old. I felt like I was the same age as them, but they were like, I think, 13, 14. Um, so that's mm. just wild to me. Um, but yeah, do you um, do you agree with that? Like they have they spend like the revenge uh, tactic, like in a good way. Like, you know, you don't have to have all this hatred in your heart. You don't have to, you know, carry the revenge of your father. You're your own person. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And, you know, with a film like this, there's only so much time to develop characters. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these villains are pretty mustache twirling. Like you look at the first film, I was analyzing the first film in the head and like, 
it doesn't really make sense. I mean, the guy was already the mayor of the town. He was always as he was always the mo- already the most powerful person in the town. Mm-hmm. He basically just wanted to take over the human world for the sake of taking over the human world, you know, which goes against the, you know, philosophy that uh, the grandmother Conwell said earlier that while actually nice creatures, people just think we're evil. And in this case, this guy really was evil. Um, and with, with the, with the second film, you know, I, I think they did, an, I think they did a fair enough job establishing that this kid was, you know, he was obviously abandoned by his father. He was all, uh, already made to feel like a uh, crud from his father. And so by taking up his father's crest, he was trying to feel valued and things. And I, you know, that final confrontation was pretty good because I do, I do appreciate that concept of, you know, you don't have to repeat the past. You don't have to repeat your father's mistakes. You don't have to be this person if you don't want to. And, you know, as someone who is very pro um, um, psychology and therapy and counseling, uh, uh, you know, as a reminder that we don't have to repeat the mistakes of our parents, I, I really did like that part of the message and thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So just, I mean, gosh, we are crushing time because this movie is not that deep. <laughs> but it ends, in case you are wondering, dear listeners, if you have been in a ro- under a rock since 2001, I'm here to tell you that Halloween Town 2, Calabar's Revenge, ends on a positive note with the Cromwell family returning to their everyday lives, knowing that they can always count on each other in times of trouble. Just like every Disney movie, it has to have a happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but that that's a good thing though that's a good thing though they they you know especially you know the earlier films the golden age of disney in the late 80s and 90s uh they did it so well and, and even now there's a couple of them that have done done, done the happy ending really really well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well as we're wrapping up adam i have to know what snack do you bring to the drive-in Oh, ah, popcorn, man. Air popped popcorn with tons of salt and butter. Delicious. Delicious. I'm currently smelling it. I don't know if it's like lingering in my bedroom. I made some last night, but I've been smelling popcorn this whole time. You need to get, I ate popcorn for lunch today, which is not healthy, but you should get some popcorn after this. I have to do my tried and true. I don't understand why I like this candy. It should not be my favorite candy, especially having a culinary degree. I feel like I can do better, but Twizzlers. There's just something about that red plastic that I adore. Yeah, but I'm just saying I'm a fan, but my wife loves them. Right. But I feel like I should have like a more, you know, impressive snack. But Twizzlers are just what gets me going. I was a private chef for years and I still like them. Yeah. Well, see, Reese's, you got your chocolate, you got your peanut butter. You can um, do so much stuff with the flavors of Reese's, but Twizzlers. Yeah. But if you. If you ask me today, today I brought lots of coffee for our for our drive-in because it was needed. And I'm still, you know, I could have taken headache medicine when I got home. To, <laughs> I could have probably drunk more water. But no, I did neither one of those. And I just picked double portion of coffee. Um, yeah. So, guys, thank you so much for joining in on this drive-in. Hopefully we encouraged you to revisit your childhood memories of Halloween and Halloween Town 1 and 2. Maybe you'll go crazy and watch 3 before Halloween comes. Remember, we are all a chosen oh, priesthood. Gosh, I can't think. Uh, we're all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. And I just remembered, subscribe to us on Spotify and rate us because I did that after my closing tagline. <laughs>